Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist, and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl. And this podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. I have a really lovely guest today, Chanel Turrell, who is a holistic beauty expert. And she's also a natural makeup artist. She does the makeup for people like Jasmine Hemsley, Ella Mills, and lots of other wonderful people. And I met Chanel at an event about a year and a half ago, and she was giving a talk about holistic beauty, conscious beauty, natural makeup. And and it really opened my eyes to a lot of things that I hadn't really thought about before. And to an area where I think I felt quite overwhelmed by before speaking to her. And so I wanted to speak to her more about how to demystify this area. And so we talk about what makes something a conscious beauty product. And so conscious can mean organic, it can mean natural, it can mean ethical. She uses the word conscious to kind of encapsulate this whole kind of category of beauty products. And she explains what this is exactly. We talk about beauty packaging, what we can do about it, how to choose products that are packaged in a better way, how to get rid of packaging. And I ask this question, you know, can natural beauty products be as good as these really high tech creams that seem to promise the earth from these bigger tech technical beauty brands and actually the answer is very very good news so I was really pleased to hear what she had to say about that and then finally Chanel also shares her favorite inexpensive beauty ritual and talks about how we can incorporate conscious beauty products in a way that is not so expensive. It doesn't have to be super, super expensive. This is a bit of a different topic than what I would usually do, but I just, I'm so interested in this area myself and I thought you guys might be as well. And we do link it into the the climate that we're in at the moment and the overwhelm that we might be experiencing. And I think since COVID, more and more of us have been concerned about the planet and the environment. So if you have worries about that, then this is a good episode for you. So I've been working lately on a new project which I'm extremely excited to share with you in November. It is a membership club called Karma You Collective and it's for personal growth, for self-care, for your happiness and helping you to put everything that you're learning from this podcast into practice and actually really embody these changes 
and connect with a community who are on this journey as well. And so I'm going to be inviting in a small group to try it out at first in November. If you want to be one of the first people to get invited to join, you're going to need to be on my newsletter. So you can join my newsletter. I send out a newsletter every week sharing about the podcast and other tips and resources. And you can register at www.karmau.com and either get my free anxiety toolkit or the confidence affirmations and you'll get onto my newsletter as well. I also would love to connect with you on Instagram. Please do come and find me. I'm I'm at Chloe Brotheridge and send me a little DM if you've been listening to the podcast. I also really, really appreciate it when you share in your stories or you DM the podcast image to one of your friends. It makes such a difference to spreading the word and spreading a positive message to people. So let it so let's get into the episode with Chanel Torrell. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How are Thank you today? You, Chloe. I'm so well. How are you? Yeah, I'm good today. A little bit cold. A little bit cold, but I I'm know, good. getting used to this dreary-ish weather. I'm very fortunate. I have a big window in front of me and I can see green trees. So that makes it better. Lovely, lovely. Where where are you right now? Where are you in the country? So I'm at home. I mean, my house is in Beckenham in Bromley. I'm in what's supposed to be my three-year-old's bedroom, but he refuses point blank to sleep anywhere but my bed. So now it's an office. (laughs) (laughs) I have my own little office for like all my stuff now. Nice, nice. Good to have have some space. Um, I was just, before we started recording, I was just saying to you that when I met you at an event, I think it was last year, last February, um, it made a big impression on me and I made a lot of changes as a result of of what you'd shared. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do and where and how you got to where you are today? Great, I will. Well, just in case people can't figure out the accent, I'm from South Africa. I was born and raised kind of on a, on the far, in the farm country in the middle of nowhere, really in very, like really the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah, and kind of just had a very kind of sheltered upbringing. But then when I finished school, I wanted to just leave. I wanted to leave nothingness and, le- and left and went and appeared in America. And kind of it opened up my world to to like what was out there. And I found... I had to do kind of a course there and I found a makeup artistry course and it wasn't something I even kind of knew at the time could be a job um, because I didn't grow up in that environment like where I even knew that you know what models and makeup artists were anyway so that's where I kind of had my introduction to makeup and I really loved it because I do love being creative but I'm not a paper artist or like my mom's an art teacher, which may, means like everyone else in my family has that thing. And I'm very creative, but I don't, I don't have that thing. So yeah. And so that just became something I did. And um, I loved doing it. But then I moved back to South Africa when, when I was like 19 and ended up becoming a model for a very, very long time because at the time it just was easier. So it's been a really good, I always did makeup on the side. I lived in Cape Town for about 12 years, did, um, you know, modeling there, international, all the international teams come there. So it's been a really good kind of 15 years of working on sets and getting to know people be- behind the camera and in front of the camera, like working on both sides. And then I moved to London in 2011. Um, and I had already kind of developed this interest in health and wellness, but it 
you know, I was in my mid thirties and I had this idea that I was going to come and do makeup and do some modeling. And the industry had just changed so much in London, even though I used to come here like years before. And I had to choose whether I was going to go and do an acting course so that I can carry on doing TV commercials or whether I was going to go study nutritional therapy, which I was like, well, I don't want to be an actress. Um, yeah, and then I decided to become a qualified nutritional therapist also because I'd had like a personal experience of chronic fatigue and illness. And I, I found that I had a life-changing, you know, the life-changing effect of eating the right food. Um, yeah, so I didn't went into the three-year course to become a qualified nutritional therapist. And at that point, I kind of had this light bulb moment of, wait a minute, I'm so obsessive about what I'm eating and really learning about what goes into our bodies but i'm not even thinking about what's going on my skin and on my body it's an organ that interacts with the environment and it and it's kind of matters what we expose it to and this is kind of where my journey began about learning about natural and organic products and how you know they change the way our skin responds to things and how they work with our bodies and yeah and definitely changes it for the better and so yes so since 2012 I've been using only natural and organic products and that's kind of become my niche I'm kind of like a health and wellness makeup artist in a way brilliant brilliant well, what is it that makes something um kind of green or organic how do how do those labels get put on products that's a very good question how do they indeed <laughs> um well I think because we're in this culture now it's come I mean I've been doing this for eight years and I think in the last five years there's been a boom it's kind of become so popular people want to use sustainable products they want to use vegan products they want to use you know cruelty-free products it's become very popular and those tags get slapped onto everything that people want to sell because when big companies discover that there's a trend they will market to that trend and so what makes a product green or conscious I think we've decided in our group of makeup artists and colleagues to use the word conscious because it encompasses more than just one thing. It's about the overall impact of that product, not simply the ingredients to your health, but how it's manufactured. Um, what is the packaging doing when it's done? How is it? How are the employees treated when they're making these products? Um, is it just marketing or is it really you know, on the level of a, a list of, of kind of rules or, you know, like a certification that can say, well, this product ticks all these boxes. And so certifications are really important where that comes into play. I think the best certification you can kind of look at is a Cosmos certification, which is now the international kind of ballpark for an organic and natural product. But all these things are really complicated because not all great products are certified because certified as we know for those who've been in health and wellness or really understand food just because it's organic certified doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best out there they just it's a tick box situation and so it's a it's a form of surety but there's some amazing independent small brands out there that feel like even the certifications aren't on their level of you know how pure things are and so I think when you're choosing a product to be conscious, it really depends on what matters most to you as an individual. 
And so you have to just start thinking further than what you see on the box. If the packaging's great and that matters to you and you know that it's recyclable or it comes from recycled material and that really matters for you because it impacts the environment, then that's great. But what's inside the ingredients also matter because as with so many products being labeled vegan nowadays, people are like, oh, it's vegan and that means it's cruelty-free. Well, it doesn't. It just means it doesn't have any animal products in it. So you do need a cruelty-free certification. And then once you have that, you really have to understand, are these products being made from synthetic petrochemicals? Because if they are, and you've got great sustainable packaging and you've got a vegan product and it's cruelty-free and you're still slapping synthetic petroleum and petrochemicals on your face, A, it's not good for you personally, and B, it's still not good for the environment because it's still coming from an ingredient space that is destroying the environment, destroying habitats for people and animals. And so that's how you really have to look at the big picture. It's not a very straightforward answer, but I think you start, and there's no perfect product. I have to just highlight that. There's always going to be something that isn't 100%. But I think that's how you have to look at it in a whole, as a whole. Yeah, so interesting. Yeah, because I remember seeing something that was like a gluten-free moisturizer. And I just thought, I mean... (laughs) What yeah. does that even mean? Do people, yeah. I don't think celiacs would respond to a, well, get like a gluten well. thing. I don't know. But anyway, it was interesting. There's lots well, of they do. And there. I think that's why people really sometimes seek these products out because there's so many chronic illnesses and people do react to gluten. But what people don't tell you is just because it's gluten free doesn't mean it's good. It's the same with gluten free yeah. food. Just yeah. because it's gluten free bread doesn't mean it has 50 other ingredients that's not great for you. Yeah, just because it's vegan doesn't mean it's healthy. It's like exactly vegan junk food yeah, explosion that exactly. we're seeing. Junk recently. food makeup, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you mentioned before about, you know, you, you got really into thinking about what you were putting into your body and the kind of nutritional therapy side of things. And then actually our skin is an organ and what are we putting onto our skin? So is it that things actually absorb through your skin into your body? How does that? Well, they they do. And I think it's important to say because there are a lot of science brains out there and I'm kind of someone who really likes the scientific perspective, but I also believe that nothing is 100% settled in the mainstream because there is a lot of stuff that, you know, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be studied and details. And it takes 20 years for anything that people are researching to really become mainstream in science. And so you can be 100% a science follower and say, well, does it absorb? There are a lot of people who say, oh, 60% of what you put on your skin absorbs into your bloodstream. These kinds of quotes can be very problematic because it's not true for everything. Um, But certainly there was a massive news story about a year or two years ago, summers ago, that the Times magazine finally did a big story on how synthetic sunscreens absorb into your bloodstream within 20 minutes of applying it and you can measure it in your urine. This is a fact. It's a fact that people in our industry have known for close on 20 years. And now it suddenly became a, oh, it goes into your bloodstream. So when the mainstream science has now said, oh, this is happening, finally people will accept that this is happening. But it's just an example of the fact that there are a lot of ingredients in products that possibly not 
more using it once, possibly not using one product, but when you consider the amount of skincare and, you know, just personal care products we use on a day-to-day -day basis over our entire lives, the accumulative effect of that can be not great if, you know, if especially some people are more genetically predisposed to be sensitive to certain things. We certainly know that aluminium in deodorant is a problem. Again, waiting for the definitive science, same with parabens. We know these things have some indication that they're problematic, but a lot of people are waiting for the settled science. And I think when there's some kind of ambiguity about whether it's safe or not, I'd rather not take a chance mm. because our bodies are very... Our bodies are very intelligent and they're very sensitive to the environment, but they're always adapting to keep us alive. But that doesn't mean we're optimally healthy and we couldn't do better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I, I've thought about is how a lot of the beauty journalists who are kind of writing about products and parabens are going to be you know, receiving money from companies that have products with parabens. So there may be not a kind of unbiased view of mm. whether these things are when they're kind of reporting about these things so it's a bit of a difficult yeah, totally. area yeah. it is a very difficult area and i i would like to point out that you know like with anything you know these journalists are not getting paid backhanded money to say that these things are great but it's in the company's interest if that's something that they are using for their products to say well this it's it's fine and find this the research or the scientific papers that say that that's not problematic it's the same with anything you can back up whatever you need to back up but I think when we're looking at life in a holistic way the same way as a nutritional therapist to find and help people we're not looking at symptoms and fixing symptoms we're always looking for a root cause of why is your body behaving this way why is this out of sync not, oh, I can give you a headache tablet to make your headache go away. It's like, what is causing your headaches? Let's figure out, is it something you're eating? Is it something you're doing in your everyday? Because there's always a reason why something's not working properly. And so it's the same thing, you know, with, with these kind of beauty things is that, you know, it's, it is more about understanding that our bodies, our skin, as the rest of our bodies are very sensitive to the environment and things like that. So we'll adapt, but it might not be great for us in the long run. Mm -hmm. Considering that things like cancer or like and chronic illness are at an all time high ever. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. And I think for most of us, you know, and this is what I experienced certainly is in our twenties and most of our thirties, we don't really think about this stuff because most of us just feel fine. And then suddenly you get to your mid thirties or at least for me, that's happened at age 34. And especially when you get like 40, um, you know, it's like life catches up to you and everything that you've been doing to your body that it doesn't like will start slowly coming out. And some people have a better constitution and it won't bother them until they're in their 60s. But cancer doesn't happen overnight. You don't wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, it's not like it's not like getting um, a bug that you get. It, it's an accumulative lifestyle disease that happens over time that we can prevent these things if we are conscious about everything in our environment. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, one, one thing that really stuck with me that I remember you describing at the talk that I came to that you gave was about silicones. And <clears throat> you, you described this image of how they kind of they get washed down the sink when we wash our faces and then they 
will literally like float on the sea <laughs> float on the surface Basically. of the sea well I mean this is not actually something that I had even thought about myself when I was trying to research silicones because in natural makeup especially because for those who don't know or understand that the thing that makes makeup sit nicely stay waterproof smooth out on your skin this really cool long-lasting matte lipsticks that you have your mascaras everything has silicone in it your conditioner the stuff that makes your skin feel smooth your hair feel smooth the, traditionally every beauty product contains some or other form of silicone and companies are moving away from this slowly but I feel because of this being eliminated in natural beauty for me initially I was like well this must be a harmful ingredient and so I kind of went into the research to try and find out what's wrong with silicone and what I found out from a health perspective really is it's considered inert because people, you know, they put silicone in their bodies, um, not just cosmetic reasons, the, um, you know, the medical fraternity use silicone all the time, but there's different grades. And also there is also some evidence to say that, you know, it's a foreign body in your, a foreign object in your body and that there have been silicone deposits found in people's livers and things like that. But the bottom line was that the scientific consensus is that it's not really harmful for you as an individual, what it really is, is a plastic layer of a man-made kind of, it's called, it's like man-made polymers. It's kind of like a plastic. It's always like that nice smooth feeling on your face. It's kind of wrapping your skin in cling film really. It doesn't allow air to pass through. So from that perspective, it's just not beneficial. But what people don't realize is that billions, probably the entire population of the world because the cheapest um, and most affordable products you know care products all contain it are using this on a daily basis in 90 percent of their products and it's washing down the drain into the oceans and probably into our drinking water too um but what silicone is because it's a polymer for the most part it doesn't biodegrade and if it does biodegrade it goes to grow it's a great it's really slowly and this was kind of something that also was kind of dawned on me I'm like why are people freaking out about all these microbeads but no one's talking about the copious amounts of silicone that we're just washing into the water this is just a film that's kind of floating everywhere in the world basically um, and probably in some parts really damaging kind of you know environments I don't know if it's always just because the main one of the main objectives of silicone is to be waterproof and so it's not meant to degrade in water. And I can just imagine that it's just polluted the you know, water sources everywhere in the world because it's in everything. It's quite scary, actually. Yeah, I think I'd never really thought about that before, about how when you wash your face or when you wash your hair, like everything goes down the sink and then everything eventually ends up in the sea. Um, it is, yeah, quite a scary yeah. thought to think about that. Yeah, and it's in everything, like your body cream, your face cream, your shampoo, your conditioner, your lipsticks, your mascara. It's like in everything. So, yeah, it definitely is going down everywhere. Mm, mm. Um, I wanted to ask you a bit about how the pandemic might have affected things. I mean, how, I mean, how has it affected you personally, firstly? And secondly, has, has it affected, you know, people's perception of, kind of beauty or natural beauty do you think in any way well to be honest I think one thing the pandemic has done a really positive thing is for people to take stock and just stop and well we've been forced to stop and pause 
um, and consider our world, our environment, it's certainly been a very mental roller coaster for me personally. And I can't imagine that it wouldn't be for everyone else. And I remember kind of five, six weeks into lockdown where you just think you're going crazy. You just don't know what to think or do. And as I was saying to you, I really can't complain because we've lived in this beautiful home. We moved to Bromley like a year ago. And I'm just so grateful that we weren't in central London in our small little apartment there that we're surrounded by a massive park and have a garden now. And for my children, that's been a blessing. But I do feel like I just kind of had this complete, you know, rethink of life and going, wait a minute, is what really matters and does beauty really matter? So for me personally, I guess I can't really speak for people in general, but I just kind of started feeling like, is my job really superficial? Does it really, you know, matter? And I think I've really wanted to focus less on the image of, you know, I feel like the one great thing is I've been, I was able to mentally shut off my kind of attachment or my need to be on social media. I think there's a lot of, personally for me, it's not something I enjoy doing and it's kind of I've decided well I'm just going to do it when I have content and when I have something to say I'm not going to spend loads of time and for some people they can compartmentalize and turn it into like they work hours their business but I'm not that person and so that was really freeing for me just being able to shut off all of that but I think um, I've decided for myself that I just wanted what I do in beauty to mean something to be uplifting to to focus on the more marginalized people in society. And like, I really think it should be about, you know, beauty and makeup should make people feel good about themselves and not worse about themselves. I don't think we should be promoting these kind of transformative ideals. Like I think everyone should just look and feel the best as they are, as who they are. But from a naturalist perspective, I think the great thing that has changes people have just become more conscious about everything shopping you know because people weren't able to shop I'm sure lots of people were shopping online but because there's nowhere to go um yeah I just I just feel like everything is kind of has become a bit you know less and I think that's great I think less is what we all want to strive for is just having what we need and not going beyond that so in, that's, in that regard, that's great for sustainability in everything, beauty, fashion, and whatever we do in our lives. Yeah, and I, I imagine, um, you know, we've, through, through experiencing how this virus has affected, you know, almost everyone on the planet, we've kind of realized our interconnectedness, I think, oh. in a way that we didn't before. And I, I think, yeah, that can play into beauty when we're thinking about the, the kind of consequences of what we consume and what we what waste we create and you know the latest uh, David Attenborough documentary that everyone's talking about I think is, is only going to increase that oh and we need to you know I think this is the thing strangely even though we were all cocooned by ourselves in our own minds it's it opened up this necessity to be connected online which is not my favorite thing but I feel like so much more became accessible to people that wasn't you know there were groups that were always meeting in person or events that were taking place in person that was now open to more people in more remote places and I feel like in that sense everyone's going through a collective 
crisis in some way or another, mentally, physically, whatever they are. And I think in that sense, maybe there's definitely more compassion, I think, mm. going around for everyone. And compassion for the earth, compassion for the planet. You know, we, we know that these kinds of things happen because the world is out of sync and out of balance. Um, this is the main thing that we have to take away from this is that something like this happens because we're kind of tipping the scales the wrong way. Mm, yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned before about kind of packaging of beauty products. And I, I can't remember where I saw this. I think it might have been on Bybee um, mm. on their Instagram. They do a lot of stuff around sustainable packaging. Um, yeah. And I think they mentioned something like 40% of our plastic waste is from our bathroom products which is like a huge, a huge amount. amount. I would have thought, you know, our food products or something would have made much more that, you know, the bigger chunk, but um, yeah. So um, is the kind of packaging aspect of it something that you kind of, is that an important thing that more and more people are becoming aware of, do you think? I think people are actually, in general, from what I can feel, especially with the younger generation, people are more in tune with that aspect Um because they do understand that the environment is kind of a massive international concern for all of us. But I think that it's so easy as well to forget because I find myself, and I mean, I've been years doing this, going into stores and we always want to be aesthetically pleased. And so even when I walk into Liberty, for example, or some nice place where you don't, I don't shop from, but I just go there to look at stuff and you see beautiful packaging and you're like, oh my word, I want that. And even if I read the ingredients and saw that there was nothing in there that I wanted, I would still want it because it looked nice. You know, it's kind of trying to separate ourselves from that need of wanting something beautiful to make us feel nice and understanding that it, there's nothing beautiful about it when it's just going to go into landfill. And um, yeah, the packaging is super important. I think it's very complicated and it's very difficult for, I think beauty is easier, but makeup is really hard to create packaging that's truly sustainable. And um, for the record, if people are saying it's zero waste, there's no such thing as zero waste. It doesn't exist. We're always making waste of some sort. I think what we want to do is just create minimal waste or work out how to reuse or you know, be responsible with our waste. I think the scary statistic is that even of everything we recycle, only 20% of what we put in recycling actually gets recycled. It's really scary. But I think for the consumer, which is why I love Bybee's campaign, and the way Bybee package their stuff is they send you the products and they tell you what to do with it when then you're done with it. This is something I think all companies need to pay attention to. I've seen this with one or two brands um, where they say, when you're finished with this, so Bybee has a result, you send them back. Or you can say the box can go into your curbside recycling because what people also don't understand is if it's biodegradable, 90% of the time, especially with beauty packaging, it's not biodegradable in your food waste. You know, it's got to go to a specific space. And that's why finding programs like TerraCycle are really important because they do that sorting for you and send those things to the right places. And so a lot of brands are partnering now with TerraCycle like Lossadane, Body Shop, um, Garnier, who've launched their organic brand. And so some of these big companies that we like to vilify um, actually are doing really, really good things with 
you know, fixing the problem. Um, I think at the moment, from a sustainability perspective, when it comes to waste and programs to make companies better, um, now the name's going out of my head, Unilever is the, is the most sustainable company in the world right now, from a beauty perspective. So independent brands obviously can't have as much of an international impact because they're much smaller. But yeah, packaging is super, super important. But there's another thing I want to say, and that is also that people want to always vilify plastic from the get-go. And plastic is not always the worst option when it comes to beauty products because things like glass can create a lot of um, carbon emissions. It's very heavy. It has to be imported. And so if you can find post-consumer plastic or you know, biodegradable sugarcane plastic or something that's fully recyclable, it's often you know, more sustainable or as sustainable as using glass. I think there's that thing where, again, we need to educate ourselves about the finer details, but I personally find recycling quite difficult <laughs> because I think with, especially with your makeup products, like you have to take things apart and some glass, like the rubber stoppers from your things can't go in the same recycling bin as the glass bits. And sometimes you're going to end up with little boxes of separating things, but that's why if you can find um, a TerraCycle unit near your, where you live, you can always just go drop your empties over there. And also that your products can't have any product in them. I find even with food packaging, people don't realize this, that if you don't clean your food packaging, like your plastic, your tins, your glass bottles, if you don't rinse or wash them, they can't be recycled. Mm. And they don't have to be like soap washed, that they have to be rinsed of residue. And it's the same thing counts for your beauty products. You've got to kind of scrape out and empty out the inside of the product and stick it in the bin. So yeah, it's complicated. It takes some work and we don't like that as people do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it, it can be become overwhelming, I think. And um, I suppose it depends where you live. Like, not everywhere recycles certain things. Exactly. It's different for everyone, in a sense. It's not like, like here in Hackney, all your recycling just goes in one thing. Yeah. But then you're never really sure what's actually going to get recycled at the end of the day. And It's very difficult. Um, so it is difficult. And yeah, I really like, because Bybee say, I think they use sugarcane plastic. But they say yep. you need to chop off the edge. If it's like a kind of squeezy bottle, you have to chop off the edge and wash it out and then put it in your recycling, not I just put the whole thing in. That's the thing that really helps is if the companies can take that responsibility of just educating the customer, excuse me, and how to do this better. Because personally, I have literally got bags in my garage downstairs just full of empty bottles and things because I don't want to throw them away, but I have to find that day where I'm going to go and do the job of emptying everything um, because I'm just not that very organized person, but instead of chucking it all in a bin. But when you're looking at just your general um, beauty things, um, I think in bathrooms, just like your cleaning bottles or your shampoo bottles, those kind of easy plastic things, those just need a rinse and go into your plastic recycling. And I think people forget to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. Really good to know. What, one thing that I notice myself thinking when I think about this sort of stuff is I, I can see myself getting kind of um, like sucked into like the really sciencey, like this serum made by a kind of non, let's say non kind of conscious brand, like this serum will mm. do this and that and the other, and it has this ingredient and getting kind of sucked into that and thinking, oh, if I go for a more kind of 
quote unquote natural or conscious brand mm. is not going to be as good. Do you think we can still get really good products that are conscious? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I think it's the complete opposite. I think that your natural and your conscious brands are going to be way better for your skin and going to do way more than any of those fancy brands. For the sake of the podcast, I won't um, say the name of the brand, but I'm going to give you an example. I did an ingredients masterclass for um, Conscious Beauty Union that I'm a part of. And I showed people the different ingredient lists of different brands after explaining different ingredients. And I revealed the brands there. So if anyone wants to go and look at that, they can. But um, it's just to say a super, super well-known, very popular high-end moisturizer that people often, clients of mine are like, I've been using this for years, costs over 200 quid to buy. It's very high-end. I think I might know the one you mean. <laughs> and um, when you look at the ingredients list, and if you don't understand how to read an ingredients list, the, whatever it has the most of in is at the top of the list. So it goes from most to less. The second ingredient, which means that's about 80% minimum of the entire product, is mineral oil, which is basically Vaseline. It's petroleum, it does nothing. It's a filler. But then what they're going to do is advertise, we're paraben free, we're sulfate free. We like, you know, so let's do all the catchphrases. What is good about our brand? And we have this amazing ingredient. I can't remember what their, you know, their kind of hero ingredients are. They have some I can't remember, like some um, trademarked special formula name in there. And um, then when you look at those ingredients, they're kind of like the bottom 10 on the list, which means that really overall, they're going to make up about two to five percent of that entire thing. Really, you're going to get the same if you add a couple of drops of essential oils or something to a tub of Vaseline or a bottle of mineral oil, which costs 20p a liter. And it all comes from, you know, just petroleum mass produced. It's the same thing that they use when they dig for oil in, you know, um, yeah, you can just slap that on your face. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> it's marketing, it's marketing. And it's interesting too, because, you know, if you work in beauty, you'll understand that these brands that have really big names that we've known that are big fashion houses, their products are all about branding. So if that product lands in a country and anything that has a scratch on it, any box that has a bend on it goes straight in the bin. There is no value to them in the actual ingredient. It's all in the branding because these synthetic ingredients cost nothing to make, which is why they do it on a big scale. And with, small independent brands that do really really well and become really successful often big companies want to buy these brands the first thing they do is change the formula to be cheaper to make because you cannot make something on a massive scale and make it you know like commercially and financially viable to like really make money unless you make it cheap to make and so with natural and organic instead of a bottle of mineral oil you're getting jojoba oil or you're getting you know, a combination of beautiful, whether they're cold pressed rosehip oils, things that come from nature. Um, I always say, and I've had clients who've used all these high-end brands for years. And, you know, especially around my age, when you get to your forties, it's kind of like people's skin just start doing weird things. And like my skin's reacting and I'm like, okay, now you go and you go buy this natural cleanser that I'm going to recommend. And you get 
organic jojoba oil, that's all. I don't want you to do anything else and just do that for two weeks. And without fail, I get people coming back to me going, oh my word, my skin's like better than ever because your body just wants to understand. It's like nutrition for your skin. And when you're spending a lot of money putting mineral oil on your face, your skin's not breathing. It's not absorbing the way it's not interacting with their environment. It's damaging your skin has just like your gut, a whole probiotic profile of bacteria that keeps it safe. And all this kind of stuff we do to it that we're told to make ourselves, you know, lots of exfoliating and like all these treatments and things. It's like we're interfering with the natural process of our skin being, you know, keeping our skin healthy. So yes, I think it's a misnomer to think that natural and organic is not as effective. When you're looking at makeup, it's a different story because it's not about being effective. It's about efficacy in wearability and that is a challenge in natural makeup for sure, but it's become much, much better. And when you understand that you have good skin, your makeup always looks better. And so for me personally, when people are changing to, even though I'm a makeup artist, I always change people's skincare first because I'm like, if your skin's not looking great, your makeup's not gonna look great. Um, and that's what silicone does. It covers everything up and it kind of just creates this layer that everything can sit on and kind of smooth you over but it's not a true reflection of what your skin can be or should be really. So yes, I think it's also really good to divide the, the skincare versus makeup argument. But personally, I would never go back to using like the commercial makeup products. I think your skin looks a hundred times better using natural makeup. That's my opinion. Good, good. That's so good to hear. That's so good to hear. Is there kind of when people start to learn about this, is there like a transition process that people go through or would you say to people like throw out all your old stuff like start from scratch like what do you normally recommend to people well I think it does depend on the individual but I think um, for example if you're coming and you're changing your products because you've had a cancer diagnosis or you have a chronic illness or you're reacting and your skin's just not happy then often you do need to just get rid of everything because you don't necessarily want to make you know perpetuate whatever the issue is so in those situations yes I'd say sure you know let's start from scratch if you need to but generally especially with makeup like we go through skincare pretty quickly you know we go we use our skincare in a couple of months and I always say well finish what you have and then as you finish whatever product you finish then you go on and you get the next new best thing and I would recommend some people like to have a clean slate that's fine but Again, if you're just chucking out a whole bag of makeup that you've had for five years or three years, you're not, that's not sustainable in itself. We're not out to make more waste. I think you've been using it for so long, finish, finish using it. And um, yeah, so I think it is a systematic thing. A, it's really expensive. Um, I don't know who can really afford to do that, to be honest start from scratch do it all over I think it's really important to understand that making debt is not sustainable either <laughs> so I think um, we have to look at everything from a wholesome perspective I just think change what you feel is important change what you feel is the most urgent or necessary and move through it step by step um, if you want to make a change start with your skincare so your skin can get better first because also if your skin's not in a great state and I recommend a great 
organic or natural foundation, for example, you might think it's not working really well because your skin's not in a good condition. So I'd say start with your skincare, make sure your skin's really happy. You'll be amazed at how your skin can change even in a week. Um, and then everything will just sit better. And I think that's the thing. People need to persevere a little and yeah, we like to consume in that sense of making, you know, oh, it's something new, something fresh, something exciting. And so you want to do it all. But I do think the point is that if you're trying to move into a sustainable life, you have to do it sustainably and slowly and also see what works for you. And also, if you're just suddenly buying everything at once and something's not working, you might not always know what's not working. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I just tell people that, you know, as and when you run out of things or, you know, you do your one or two things that you feel are the most important first and then go from there. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. I think. I think it could be something that could be overwhelming if we think, right, I need to like suddenly change everything. Mm. But actually, yeah, maybe starting with the skincare and when something runs out, looking for exactly. a kind of more conscious alternative. And I know that you write all sorts of articles for different yeah. uh, publications. So I think people should, yeah, search for some of those, those articles for more, more ideas on that. Yes, I write, I've written quite a few beauty articles for EcoAge online. So if you just Google my name in EcoAge, all the articles I've written will come up there. Some of them with products, recommendations and things kind of become dated after a little while because there's always new things coming up. And then I've also, Conscious Beauty Union is an amazing place to go and find out if you want to get educated about the ins and outs of natural beauty, because it's myself and four other, three, four other organic makeup artists who've been doing this for a long time, who are really focused on, on, on kind of educating around understanding the whole concept and what really constitutes as natural and organic and so there's tons of articles on there about everything you can imagine from certifications to recycling ingredients, um, you know, and for professionals as well, like how to work sustainably in this industry. Yeah. So I do write for those people because it's very specific. But what I do want to say is I personally don't believe in writing about um products in this way that you would in a magazine, you know, recommending product recommendations, go, oh, this is the best. I think what we have to always remember is everything is so individual and what you like in a product is not what someone else likes in a product just because you think this is the best natural mascara you've ever find your friend might hate it because her preference is different and so I always approach what I write about to give an example of what it's good for and so I think people hopefully find that a bit more helpful to navigate what to find the right thing for yourself. Mm, okay yeah so it's not like you're kind of giving specific advice on what people should buy it's going to be different for everyone exactly. that's such a good point isn't it of course we should kind of always think that about any kind of makeup really <laughs> but I guess well this only became like as to... a shock to me when I was you know started working with like not on sets but with individuals and doing different people's makeup for their weddings or like doing makeovers in the store that I was working in and like realizing that some people like really clumpy thick lashes like I do and some people hate like a single clump on their lashes and like freak out if it's not completely separate and I was like as many as there are people there are preferences for different products and and it just I wouldn't ever recommend something based on someone else's recommendation or if I haven't used it or seen it work myself. Like I don't, people can send me products, but I'm not going to write about them or even I can know about them and know that it's a good brand, but I'm not going to recommend that 
if I don't haven't seen it in person or used it myself I think that's really important mm, yeah yeah okay one final question what, what are your beauty rituals or what are the things that you do for yourself are you do you like go and have facials or do you do like probiotic masks or I'm really curious to know well to be honest I'm really lazy I really don't I think for me the luxury is the fact that I'm very fortunate because of what I do and because I'm kind of a voice in this part of the industry that I can try and test products because you know beauty products are expensive and my personal I'm not like high maintenance I'm a freelancer with two kids I really don't have a budget for like going and having a, a facial. Like if, if um, you know, they, I mean, I've gone one, you know, a couple of times, but I usually find a friend or someone. I love facial massage. I have a friend up the road. She's an amazing masseuse and she gives me facial massage just with like some oil. And that's to me is bliss. I love that. I kind of feel like proper massage of your facial muscles is kind of the way forward in, kind of anti-aging or keeping your skin looking good um I was like desperately gua showing my face this morning for a while but it's not something that I do on a on a regular basis I'm um yeah I think my number one thing that I think is really important is having a good cleanser that doesn't it's like where you begin and so for me my luxury is the fact that I love the cleanser that I use and it's really good for my skin. And from there, I just build with like, I love some face, I love face oils and just massaging face oil into my face. It's like, I have like a two, three step regime at most. And I don't wash my face twice a day. I wash it at night before I go to sleep. And in the morning, I just do a little bit of a spritz or micellar water. And then I just massage some moisturizer into my face. Um, I think I'm fortunate to have good skin genes too. I think it's very easy to say, well, you know, I don't do anything. I'm 42 and I'm really lucky that my skin looks great, but I have, you know, it's very genetic at the end of the day. I've never had massively problematic skin, but I must say that my texture of my skin and the glow in my skin has definitely improved dramatically from just using these really basic, really good products. Um, yeah, I must say, also being at this age, I have kind of started thinking more about like, what can I do from a prevent, you know, like what can I do to, to not like make my skin sag? And so I am thinking about these things, but I haven't really, other than like really good facial massage, explored much else. So yeah, really nothing exciting. Just, I think it's just general consistent good skincare, making sure you're, you know, you cleanse really well and give your skin moisture. I think I find the majority of people I see have really dehydrated skin, whether their skin's combination have acne, whatever. It's like the surface skin is really dry or dehydrated, flaky. That's what I see a lot. Mm. I love uh, facial massage and the fact that you don't, it doesn't need to cost loads of money. You can get a kind of, yeah, natural facial oil and it doesn't need to cost tons and probably last for ages. And actually, it's something that you can do yourself that feels really pampering exactly. and doesn't cost loads of money. Exactly. I think that's the way forward, really. Um, and I do think most people, when they start feeling unhappy with their skin, they just want to do more and more and more. And I feel like that you really need to do the opposite. The less you do, the better it is, especially if your skin's unhappy. You want to just do a cleanse and a, and a really gentle oil and just give your skin like a chance to recover and it's almost like this elimination diet when you're looking at health, right? When your health's all over the place and you're like, oh, 
um, I don't really know what to eat. And it's like, okay, you stop eating anything that could be a trigger. It's the same thing with your skin. You know, people want to, when their skin's breaking out, they want to exfoliate and they want to do like, I, these people that all do these, um, what do you call them? Like these acid peels and they want to, I'm just like, oh my gosh, just let your skin have a little bit of a time to, you know, recover and relax a bit with some just basic skincare. I remember feeling quite relieved when I first started to get into this, um, that there's quite a lot of pressure. I think you've got to be having this treatment and doing this and buying this and eye creams and serums and all these like millions of things. And it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of kind of, I've spoken to other people have said this as well. Like it's kind of like overwhelming, but actually it sounds like from what you're saying, keeping it simple, kind of natural products and a bit of facial massage is probably the best thing we can be doing for ourselves I, I think so I mean I think obviously there you can do more things and there are amazing active ingredient tre- um, products and treatments out there but those are luxuries and I think for the general I mean I've always found this I mean as in our 20s for me like the you know the reading the magazines and kind of having this ideal of a lifestyle that you kind of vicariously live to watching reading magazines it's like who in this, in my world can buy a designer outfit for 500 quid? I can't, I've never been able to do that. So I feel the same way about skincare. It's kind of, I'm very realistic about, you know, what's doable and affordable. And of course, um, organic and natural skincare is going to cost more because you're paying for the ingredients. You're not just paying for, there's a reason why something can cost five quid at Superdrug or Boots because they're still making a massive profit on that. Consider that part. Um, but what you have to understand is these ingredients, there's a lot of these, the, actually these people with, on these independent brands most of the time actually don't make much money on their products because they're so integrally focused on really changing the way we feel and think about beauty and changing the, you know, the, the impacts. And so I think what people have to understand is that you're paying for quality. Um, but unlike buying the 10 different items that cost between, you know, under 10 quid each or whatever, you can buy two products and get a massive result without, because someone said in one of the talks I did, oh, but you know, organic beauty is so exclusive. And I'm like, well, go and count how many products you have in your bathroom and add up how much that costs you. And then tell me you can't afford two really good natural products. That's really my point because that's all you need if you really want your skin to be healthy. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. It kind of makes you think about when we think about fast fashion, you know, something Mm. costs, you know, you can can buy a t-shirt for a tenner, but someone is paying for that with their time with like horrible working conditions or the planet's paying for it. And actually, um, yeah, I'm sure it's the same with kind of beauty products, like paying or (laughs) whatever they're doing in the factories there. But yeah. Um, yeah, thank you so much for everything you've shared. It's been so, so good. Oh, I think, it's a um, pleasure. Yeah, it's really um, something I've been thinking about a lot and wanted to really ask you all these questions. So thank you so much for coming. Oh, well, I hope it was, you know, informative enough and not like just boring basic. But I think, you know, I'm always, I'm on Instagram. Easy to find me if you know how to write my name. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm always, I love you know, this is what I do. I do consulting one-on-one to kind of eliminate that overwhelm of like, oh, there's so many brands out there. There's so many products. Where do I begin? And it's like, once I, because I've really experienced what works for different skin types, what works for different lifestyles, 
budgets, whatever, I would do a one-on-one -on -one session with people and I literally just find what works for your lifestyle. And then you have your list of this is what's going to be the right thing for you, skincare, makeup, whatever that may be. Um, because I think that is the thing that people kind of, you know, you start reading so much, there's so much information and um, it's very easy to get sucked into that and be like, oh, but this is, this does this and this does this and this does this. And then you just kind of like, oh, what do I need? Or and do I need all of them? <laughs> you know? mm. um, so I do think that, you know, just if people are, if people are keen, I am always um, available with that kind of advice. Brilliant. And, and where can people find out more about you and, and what you do and what you're up to? So um, Instagram is a great place to obviously just send me a message if you want or just see kind of generally what I do. Um, I just launched my website yesterday that I finally redid and it's just chanieltarrell.com, my name. And you can contact me on there if you like. Yeah, I'm happy if you want to send me an email. And that's kind of the best way to get hold of me. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you so much for everything you shared. Thank you, Chloe. You have been listening to the Karma You podcast with me, Chloe Brotheridge. Don't forget you can download loads of freebies for anxiety and confidence at my website, karmayou.com. You can also find out about my app and my one-on-one -on -one sessions. Please do subscribe to this podcast in the Apple Podcast app. And if you have enjoyed it or found it helpful, please leave me a review. It makes a massive difference to helping the podcast get discovered by other people. And come on over and find me on Instagram. I'm hanging out there every day. You can find me at Chloe Brotheridge. Let me know what you thought of this episode. And please do share it with anyone who might need to hear this today. So I'm sending you loads of love and I hope you have a brilliant week ahead. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.